Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated Game Pass Forever Standalone Segment. For September's title, our benevolent overlords on Patreon chose Hades by Supergiant Games. For this discussion, we are joined by Hobbybox, Joe Burns. hey And the Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show, guys. Supergiant is a well-known developer. Let's start with their overall catalog. How familiar with were you guys with their other titles before we dive into Hades? Yeah, so I've played I've played Bastion only, actually, of their games. Otherwise, I own, I think, all of them. I don't think I own Pyre, uh, but I really wanted to get through Bastion first before I played Transistor. And uh, I, don't, I, I enjoyed the game. I really like Bastion, actually. It's just one of those things... It's just those types of games sometimes are hard to... They get overshadowed by other bigger titles a lot of the time, right? Well, it's like Bastion versus God of War. Which one are you honestly going to play in your heart of hearts? Well, yeah, God of War for me, for sure. I mean, for some people, they'd prefer Bastion over that. But uh, most people, it would be the bigger, meatier, like more like narrative game. Let me put you on the spot here, Burns. You really think there are people out there that would prefer Bastion to God of War? Yes, I bet you. I bet you, Jim for sure would say that he prefers that over the over the other thing. All right, Jimothy the Witch, you have <laughs> taken me to task for my opinions. If if you feel that way, you are wrong, Fred. You are wrong, wrong. <laughs> Uh, Burns mentioned all the games that they've done. It's Bastion. It's Transistor. It is Pyre. It is Hades. Did I miss one? No, I think that's nope, it. Those four. Yeah. Casey, have you played any of those games? Nah, I'm going to be super boring for this segment because, no, I have not played anything. Terrific. I have only <laughs> played a little bit of Bastion. And Supergiant, like, all their games are reviewed well, and I'm interested in all of them. Like, I've had Transistor literally downloaded on my PS4 and PS5. For years, never gotten to them. Like you said, always overshadowed by something. They're they're a great developer, and I love their stuff, and I'm glad that we had a focused reason for me to dive into Hades. I, I worry that the unfortunate thing now is going back to play the other games, it'll probably be overshadowed by Hades at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Bastion versus Hades. Like, I love Hades. I really enjoy this game. Like, until I beat this game, I can't see myself playing another Supergiant mm-hmm. game. Well, let's dive into the gameplay of Hades. This roguelike has you attempting to escape the underworld as Zagreus, the son of Hades. The core gameplay loop. You start each run by grabbing a weapon. Then you start discovering boons and different upgrades. You battle your way across randomly generated chambers across five worlds. Each level ends with a boss fight. Your combat options include a basic attack, special attack, cast, and dash on the face buttons on your controller. All of these actions can be augmented by boons from the gods on Olympus. When you die, it's back to the beginning again. In between runs, you can spend permanent resources to upgrade different aspects of the underworld, including adding chambers to the different levels of the underworld, upgrading the House of Hades, investing in the Mirror of Night to upgrade Zagreus' abilities, and spending keys to unlock new weapons. Let's start with those weapons. Originally, you get a sword, and then you can unlock a shield and a bow right out of the gate. Later on, you can unlock hand claws and a railgun. Which weapon did you initially gravitate towards, and which one ended up being your favorite? Uh, my favorite weapon ended up being Aegeus, which is the shield. It's uh... Quick, quick question. That's how you actually pronounce it? Aegeus? That's, is that... Real? I, I always thought I it was so. it's, or I is it Aegis? I think it's Aegis. Is it Aegis? Yeah, I or thought Aegis? it was Aegis. Yeah. I guess I never looked it up, so. I need Siri to Siri. How do you pronounce A E G I S? 
I don't Aegis. know how to work Siri on my phone. Otherwise, I yeah, would just. I don't either. <laughs> well, we'll never know. <laughs> it's a mystery that's Aegis lost to time. And, or Aegeus. It was the Just uh, as lost the shield. as the Greek language. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever speaks it anymore. Right, so you're saying you like the shield. <laughs> I like the shield. Yeah. it's uh, it, you, you can throw it, which was my preferred um style of this game i preferred to stay as far away from the bad guys as i could and and being able to throw the shield and having it bounce off as many bad guys as possible just kind of played right into that that play style um you start off with it being able to reflect off of three guys and you can upgrade it to be able to bounce off of four objects uh the base attack is an arc attack where you know it just slashes in an arc in front of you so it can hit multiple uh, guys that way as well and then if you hold down the button it actually allows you to block incoming attacks and then whenever you release it it projectiles or sends you forward in like a dash attack towards that enemy and this is the only weapon in the game that allows you to block that is your only defensive maneuver that you have access to in the entire game yeah and you know the main thing i loved it for though is, is that range and i found when i tried to melee bad guys that for me i mostly got my butt kicked uh and Bonus, we're going to talk about the boons later, but if I could pair this bad boy with some really nice boons, some chain lightning and things like that, uh, it was just, you're able to blast right through a room. So it, it was it was a lot of fun for me. Well, and it, it's funny that you say that whenever you had to melee, you struggled, because I felt like when I was playing, it was the complete opposite. I was like at home with when I was just like scuffling with things uh, that were somewhat close to me. Uh, I like some of the abilities that you could get with, some of the weapons that could give you a little bit extra range. So you weren't right next to them when you were meleeing, meleeing against them, but like the ranged weapons and the shields, a little bit of a tweener with that, but the ranged weapons I struggled with a lot more because I didn't feel like I was doing enough damage to keep things away from me. And eventually I was going to get swarmed and I was going to struggle. And so that's where I ran into the issues with, with a lot of those weapons that were just ranged or focused most much more on ranged Attacks. Yeah, and I think that's probably why and we'll get into it. But like, I struggled in the second level of this a lot because, like, my main attack style in this game is I would stay back, I would range, and I would just dash constantly around the rooms. And like in the first level, there's really nothing to prevent you from doing that. So I would just dash, 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 throw the f- throw my shield, bounce off, dash, dash, dash out of harm's way, and I would just be dashing and using my my special over and over and over again, which was really really handy in the first level, but second level if you dash uh outside of 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 the main board, you end up in lava and, then, <laughs> and that's not so great. <laughs> Just like the childhood game, lava is bad. Lava yes. bad. What a funny role reversal this is for us because usually you like to be the melee character that's up close and personal. In this game, you like more range and I want to be right on top of my foes. Like I loved being up close in the action. My favorite weapon were the fists of Melfon. These were hand claws and they just look cool. Like they mm-hmm. look so sweet. Uh, and they do a quick three, four hit combo, and then you can your special is an uppercut. It was just it felt way different from using the other weapons, and I love being right on top of my foes. I use my dash mainly to get behind foes and to do a lot of backstab. So I would I would also be sprinting around the room, but it was more sprinting right at enemies, then dash past them so I couldn't be hit while I was dashing, and then try to get behind them for extra damage. Yeah, the fists of Melfon were my were my my runner-up, my second favorite uh, weapon. And those were actually the first ones that I beat the first boss with. Uh, but my favorite weapon of all of them was uh, Varatha, the Eternal Spear. Uh, and be- the reason why I liked that was because your main attack was a 
stabbing attack, and if you held it down, you did a swing attack, where you did, like, in a ring around you, you did an attack. And so you had versatility there to strike things that were surrounding you if you got into, like, those fights where you're against a lot of mobs of things. Uh, And then it still had pretty good power. And also you could get some abilities where your strikes would do damage farther away from you, like I talked about before, and that was especially helpful with the spear. And its special attack was that you could throw it uh, to a point uh, far away from you and it hit anything on that line. And then when you pull it back, it hits those things again. So it's almost, it is almost like the ax from uh, God of War where you get to chuck it down there and pull it back. And one of my favorite things uh, with doing with, uh, doing with that was getting a boon that would augment your special attack with damage over time ability. And so it would hit it once. And when it comes back, it would hit it a second time. So you're putting like two to four to, f- uh, to the max of five dots on it and just doing that chip damage against them and then dodge out of the way of something that's maybe coming at you. Cause the other good thing about hitting something at range, if you hit it with certain attacks that do enough damage, it, it like stutters them and stops them so they can't get to you as fast as possible. Now, it made it much more difficult when there are swarms, but then you call it back, you do the ring attack, and then you dash away. Uh, and so I think that's why I like the spear quite a bit, and my deepest runs in the game were using the spear. I had deep runs with pretty much everything. I made it into Elysium, the third world, with the railgun, which I thought was a lot of fun, with the Fist of Melphon and with the bow. It's interesting i had played this on the switch previously to playing this for game pass forever and on the switch i preferred the bow because i didn't feel like i had playing in handheld mode i didn't feel like i could really hack it with the melee in combat so i wanted a little bit more range and a little bit dis- more distance between me and the enemies yeah i i would yeah because i know you said tom that you were really excited to play through this for this because you wanted to play it on console and the moment you played it on xbox you were like this is so much better to play it on a tv and the first probably eight, seven, eight runs that I played uh, on the Switch, I actually played handheld because I was traveling a little bit. I was gone for the weekend uh, and and I was struggling. And it is, it's amazing how little you could see actually on that screen and how much more difficult that makes the game, I feel like. Now, maybe other people have had more success playing on the Switch uh, and and it's just a get good, you know, or, or, or get your eyes checked. Um, but or, I have laser eyes, so it's fine. Or plug it into the dock. I mean, there's that. Yes. But that's not how I play my Switch. Like, I play my Switch at least 95% handheld. Like, if I'm going to play something on my big TV, it's going to be either my Xbox or my PlayStation. Yeah, and once I plugged it into the dock, like, that was the first time I beat Meg. The second one after that was the was the, was the deepest run I ever had in the game uh, at that point. And, and so, like, just having it on the TV was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Then I hit a couple of runs where I had terrible boons didn't have very good luck getting the right things, but died fast, went back in. Uh, and so, yeah, I think playing it on a bigger screen is a lot better because you can see a lot more of what's going on around you. Agreed. You mentioned the boons. I thought they were one of the most unique aspects of this game. You leverage the favor of the Greek gods while you're trying to escape the underworld. The boons upgrade your various attacks and other passive abilities. Which gods did you favor and what were some of your favorite combinations? So my favorite thing about the boons is the text message with one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite typos ever uh, was when you were sending us a message and you're like, I really like how uh, as you play the game more, it incentivize you with juggling boobs. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my iPhone does not like the word boons. It would constantly 
constantly <laughs> autocorrected to boobs, which led to just it happened at least three times in that text chain. And like the first time, I caught on and I go, "Oh, that's just too funny," and I just I left it and I rolled with it. And then like the conversation kept going, and we kept talking about boons, and uh, it's not always what uh, what came up. I mean, my phone just gets me. <laughs> Is your favorite wine boobs farm too? Yes. <laughs> so that's a good vintage. That's a good vintage. <laughs> It's cheap, at least. <laughs> yeah. So actual boons. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of my, one of my favorite things about the boons was just the little bits of lore that you would get every time you would interact with that god, uh, and then you could give them gifts to get some trinkets and stuff like that. But uh, for me, the boons that I liked the most, um, and really I said it was with the spear, but basically any of the other weapons, uh, having. Something that does damage over time on the special, I always found super helpful. On the bow especially, because you'd have the fan attack where you'd attack multiple things in your area. My best run with the bow was when I had a boon from Aphrodite on that, which gave them weakness, which made them take more damage with my further attacks. And so I could just sit there and do the fan attack, fan attack, fan attack, and just whittle things away, which I thought was which I thought was awesome. And it made that weapon more useful for me because otherwise the normal attack of just slowly pulling it back to try to do more damage, I, I struggled with doing a lot with that. So I liked having those dot uh, damage attacks on the specials. Um, then I would either have like the Poseidon or Ares boon on my dash, which does is damage when you dash through things. Uh, and the Poseidon one was especially good, especially with the spear or something that was at range. Cause when you would, when you would dash through something, it would push them away also, which helped to create that distance that you needed from other things. Um, my favorite thing that I put onto the cast was the Zeus chain lightning because it would just shoot through like four enemies and shock them all, uh, which I thought was amazing. And then um, one of the things I did struggle with was calls. I didn't take those boons because the first couple times I took it, I didn't really understand when they were available, how like you generated the power to be able to call that down. And it's basically an attack that uh, one of the gods will do for you based on who you took that boon from. That, that'll do like critical damage if it's Artemis or lightning damage if it's if it's Zeus and so on and so forth. So it took me until like the last run I made until I finally realized, oh, okay, you the more damage you do in one board, the more you build that gauge up and you want to spend it before you're done with that board. Otherwise, it goes back down to zero and it's like the next room you have to build it up again. And so it's, it's really good against bosses because you're, you're in those fights for a long time and then you can call it down at the right moment to do like 300 critical damage or something like that, which can just whittle away uh, the health uh, very quickly on them. So those were the things that I focused on the most um, with the boons that I would take. One quick note on calls before we move on to other combinations. I found, I think it was Hermes had a boon that automatically fills up your call. So every second Ooh. it's filling up. So every single room it was useful then because that was a gauge on the screen oh, wow. and there's so much happening on the screen. There's so many enemies. There's so many projectiles to deal with. There's so much like just action happening. I could never watch that gauge. So I never knew when it was like really full until I had that one that uh, filled it up automatically because when it reaches its maximum you can like do a like, full power call or I feel what it's called but like when it's at maximum power, you know, something will pop up reminding you to trigger yeah. it. Yeah, it'll pop up over your head and then it flashes in the bottom like left corner of the screen too. Um, but yeah, for the first the cu- first couple times I took it, uh, I didn't I couldn't figure out how it worked, so I just didn't take them for a long time. I was the exact same way. Yep. Yeah, me too. 
Burnsy mentioned the chain lightning. Casey, I think that was your favorite boon, wasn't it? You were a big fan of uh, Zeus. Yeah, Zeus, uh, the chain lightning uh, attached to my shield throw was was pretty awesome. Um because every single time your shield would bounce off of somebody, would chain that lightning damage onto them as well. So you just like your shield was bouncing off three, four guys at a time, and then you'd chain lightning damage onto those guys as well. Uh, the other favorite one uh, of mine was Ares, uh, which was the Doom, which is basically like you'd hit and then it would do a time damage. So one second later, whoever it hit would get 100 damage thrown onto him, which almost killed at least in the first level most of the the mobs was you know you, you could kill with just that that one hit nice um you just had to survive that one extra second uh the other cool thing um you know most of what i upgraded was the my special and and the dash i almost never upgraded my basic attacks and i same thing i had struggled with the figuring out how to use calls but uh, my favorite dash upgrade was also an Ares attack with the blade rift so every time you would dash it you would like open up a portal of blades where if the enemies went into it they would just take massive amounts of damage so me dashing around the room throwing my shield with the plus 100 damage every second was was pretty massive amounts of damage that i could generate with uh, with the shield i thought the blade rifts were a lot of fun and they were neat to trigger i preferred dashes that triggered an area where i landed like they did all sorts of different things with dashes there are some dashes where you do the damage by dashing through an enemy also a quick aside Corey, your brother is watching on facebook live hey Corey, thanks up, for Corey? joining us I, they did a lot of different things with the dash. So you could do damage by dashing through an enemy. There were some that triggered an area where you start your dash. And I think that uh, Aphrodite had one that inflicted weak where you start your dash. And then there were others that would do an area of effect where you end your dash. I think Dionysus had one of those. I preferred the things because I was always dashing at enemies to try to get behind them. So I really preferred dash attacks that triggered an area where it stopped. Did you have more to your point, or did I just completely derail us? No, that was that was good. The only other one that I could say um, that, that helped me was Dionysus' hangover effect. So that was another one that just added additional mm -hmm. damage. Like, basically, that was my, my thing, was because the, the shield throw itself didn't really have a very large base damage, so I was kind of handcuffed to any boon that um, added that extra damage. And if I didn't get it, it was pretty much a guarantee that I was going to have a pretty short run. I think the other really good thing about that, because you mentioned Dionysus, he was one of my favorites to talk to. Uh, they, they did such a good job of building out like the personification of each of these gods in just that little bit of dialogue that they can give every single time. Like, and that's great writing and and also great like voice acting, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later too. But I think that was I think that was awesome, and it made it fun to get the boons right. Um, and the other question I had is, did you guys ever get any duo boons? I played 29 runs. I think I got three duo. Yeah, that was always a neat... So basically what would happen is if you encountered one god earlier and then you encounter another god later, sometimes you would get a duo boon that would be... So mine, it was, it was Ares and Hermes. And because you talked to both of them in that run, you were given the option to select a duo boon um, that, that, that was a little bit stronger than what any of the other ones would have been on their own. And it kind of fit both of their, uh, identities. And I thought that was kind of cool. Apparently, uh, those are kind of fun to sort of try to find out, figure out as you go through, uh, the dungeons. 
And Burns, did you say that you also didn't upgrade your basic attack? Casey, I get why you weren't doing it, because you were always throwing your shield. That's a constant uh, <clears throat> special. But Burns, you didn't upgrade it either? No, so I would usually just use, like, the Daedalus upgrades on my normal attack to make it do more damage or do criticals. Sometimes I would, like, so uh, uh, Artemis would give you more critical damage. So I would use boons on my uh, on my normal attack with that a lot of times. Um, but the other one where it, it extended your range, um, and I can't remember who it was. It might it might have been Artemis. Uh, it might have been Athena. It's also you do more damage with the spear the farther away from you are, from you. And so if I hit you at the very edge of my range, I did more damage than if it was like I was right next to you. So it like paid off to find that distance, which is good with the spear because you're supposed to have that range. And so I thought that was that was a neat one too. But usually I would do the dash first or the special first uh, and then kind of go downwards from there to my other, to the cast uh, and to sometimes the call now. Um, but then to my normal attack, if it seemed like it was going to be a benefit. So it was, it, it was one of those that was like further down on the priority list and I would do it from time to time. Uh, but usually I would focus on the other ones first. You guys were playing this game wrong, dudes. Wrong. <laughs> I guess my strategy with the boons was I would usually take the highest rarity first because there are different tiers of the boons. There's basic boons, there's rare, there's epic, and there's legendary, mm-hmm. just like any other RPG loot system. Mm-hmm. So I would generally, all things being equal, I'd take the highest rarity. But if they were all the same level, I would focus on things that did damage over time with my regular attack. So... Dionysus's uh, hangover on the regular attack paired with the Fists of Melphon, which did a super quick combo attack. Like, that was, I think, crucial. I think it is the most important part of any run in the game. And everything else is just kind of gravy. I like things with the cast that uh, did an area of effect for it. Artemis has a cast that makes it track enemies. I was very fond of that one. So I would play, I'd try to get the highest rarity available, but then I'd focus on damage over time with my special and things that would boost my cast and then I would focus on dash. So funny. Like especially for me too cuz I play ranged. I found myself and I just probably just be not playing as well as I should have, but I almost never use my cast either now that I think about it. Like oh, it was boy. yeah. That's that's a problem. I would I would forget that a lot. Yeah, that, was, that was the problem, problem. I would like, run into. I would do it because I know like if you cast and you like if you if you cast in this game, it sends a, a little projectile, and that projectile will stay with your character or on the character that you hit. And then I don't know if it was a boon that did it, or is it an automatic thing where you do when you additional kill the enemy. It, when you well oh. do you do additional damage when that that was something that you could unlock from the mirror by spending darkness there. Okay, yeah, so that was okay. Um, and I don't remember if I did that or not. Um, uh, but either way, that was something that uh, I probably should have definitely <laughs> utilized more of, especially because I was <laughs> favored the ranged attack. Yeah, core part of my strategy was always launching those casts right away because you get them back when you slay foes. So if you hit a minor enemy with it, one of the witches, one of the pots that throw bombs, like it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to retrieve. But like that's the first thing I do in every room. Like every boss gets three casts right away and then eventually they'll spit them out and then they get three casts again right away as well. Yeah, it was more important for me depending upon certain weapons that I used. Um, some weapons, like some builds that I ended up like having with the spear, it was a little bit less effective, but once I ended up getting that where you do more damage to the things if you uh, if you have multiple casts in them or the more casts you have, the more damage you do with your other attacks, 
then it became essential to try to get those onto them. Um, but I would still forget because it's, I think I would, I would have that lots of different times. So it's like, oh yeah, I leveled up my special, but I haven't been using it. I've just been attacking and casting. It's just, I, I would get into this mode where I'd be doing the same like group of attacks, but not like using this other skill. So I think it's one of those things where like, as I go through the game more and as I play it more, I just need to remember to use all the tools that I have at my, at my disposal. You're playing too many MMOs, dude. Like it's just an MMO cooldown cycle. That's all you're cycling through. I, yeah. uh, I would use whatever my best tool was at that moment. So if I had upgraded my special attack, I'd use that. I tend to use that more, but I basically depending on what boons I came across mm-hmm. on each run. One other thing that I found that I wanted to note, I found a cursed blade. I think it was a hammer upgrade for the Stygian blade, but basically it did healing. So you lost, I think, 40 or 60% of your health. You lost a huge percentage of your health to have this stupid healing blade, but then every time you hit with it, you get life back. And healing is a challenge in this game. Yeah. So that was, uh, that I think took me through my first defeat of the Bone Hydra at the end of the second <clears throat> world. So did you, so you went down the like portal to the cursed dude chaos. to get that? Mm-hmm. I've, I never, I never did that. You never went down to see chaos? I didn't because it huh. never felt like it was worth it to give up the health to get down there in the first place. But Burns, you love Persona and like Persona is all about building those relationships and talking to everyone. You talked about how great the character well, is for each of these people. I honestly didn't know what would happen. Like, it, it said descend, so I was just like, well, I don't want to go back to the beginning, because that's literally what I thought it was until last night, Jim, when I was streaming, told me, oh, no, you go down to chaos, and he'll give you something, but it's always at a cost. And I was just like, oh, well, like, this is the deepest I've been in the game. I don't want to risk it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving forward, I will definitely try it to see what he has to offer. It's so they. funny. Like, the very first time I came across one of those gates, I'm like, oh, this is going to cost me 23 life. I bet this is something pretty good down here. It's yeah. like, all right, plug my nose. Here we go. I just thought it was some weird thing to go back to the start to gather more resources or something. I didn't know. I didn't understand what it was. Well, more resources are good, too. I mean, if you could, like, double up all your boons. Yeah, but my whole goal was to get farther, like, try to get deeper. Well, you um, got to get more stuff to get deeper. Like, you could have built out your arsenal. That's true, I guess. That's yeah. true. Yeah, get good, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I use chaos quite a few times. Um, it, it pretty much just depended on what I was getting from my other boons. If like I felt I was going to make a good run, I wouldn't go down there. But if if it was something where I feel like I needed that extra boost, I was definitely jumping down the hole. Yeah, yeah. grip it and rip it, my friend. That's right, <laughs> grip it and rip it. Early on in the game, you fight most of the enemies who either dash straight at you, they lumber slowly at you and try to pummel you with a big club, or they shoot projectiles at you from across the screen. Later in the game, they get a bit more challenging and wacky. What were some of the most interesting enemies you fought? And Casey, we'll start with you on this one. The Infernal Bombers, to me, came to mind. Uh, they were pretty problematic. Cause when you... Let's set this up real quick. The Infernal Bombers, There's two, that's a mini-boss in the first stage in Tartarus. There's two of them, and they chuck these bombs at you, and they have armor. So basically, they have two life bars that you have to whittle away at. Well, then they had the... I thought the other ones were called Infernal Bombers, too, where you kind of run them across them in the actual rooms as well. where Because they had the big, the mini-boss, but then there was also like oh, the smaller version of the bombers yeah, where the same thing... Once you get thing. to Asphodel, they're all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you, you'd hit them, and then if you kill them, then they throw a bomb at you, so you have to dash out of the way and then you end up in lava and then you die but <laughs> so so i thought they were extremely problematic um and then the mini boss yeah were the same thing where you just they were a lot bigger and tougher um and they're constantly throwing bombs at you uh the other 
mini boss, the, the Doomstone, was was a, a pretty this, big pain in the balls too. There are brimstone enemies in Tartarus, and they're like these floating rocks that shoot laser beams at you, essentially. And the Doomstone is a giant one of these. Yeah, and every single time you hit the Doomstone, you break off a piece of it. And those pieces that break off of you, then, same thing, shoot additional lasers at you. Um, and for somebody that... Uh, for me, where I'm just standing back, whipping my shield at this thing over and over and over again, I'm breaking off tons of pieces of these things, and then trying to dash through a room with <laughs> 10, 15 lasers shooting at you ends up being uh, not very fun. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. I have a hilarious note here on our show notes. I wrote down, kill the small dudes, dude. And then last night, after I had a very cutting analysis... <laughs> I did a run just like you were. I was using the Aegis, Aegis, the shield. I was using the shield. There you go, there you go. And I had lightning all over it. And I'm like, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> like, I was trying to pick off the small guys before they became too problematic. I'm like, oh, no, just give me my stupid fist with some uh, hangover. And I'll make quick work of this guy. Uh, Joey, you didn't like the Infernal Bombers either. No, because I would always forget to dash away from them when I'd kill them. And and it, and it was it was, it was was funny because it's like every time it's like, oh, yeah, I got to dash. Next time, oh, I got to dash away from those. It's just I would forget every single time. Uh, the thing that I found, though, is after you get out of the first area, Tartarus, and the deeper you get into the game, the more and more the level actually becomes like the, the things around you become more challenging. So you've talked about how in Asphodel, uh, the lava and you have to like dash, like make sure you're aiming your dashes, right? Otherwise you're going to land in lava. You start on fire and you take damage, you know? And, and, and then once you get to Elysium, which is the third world, uh, the monsters start to like, like guide you towards traps. And the one of the, the ones that I hated the most in Elysium that I would get hit by all the time is there would be like three or four of these like turrets, I guess, set up and, spears would shoot out of them if you got too close to them and the guys would just sort of hunker back by them so you'd have to get up to them to try to hit them with it so if i was trying to do something where i was doing melee damage to them i would get hit by those stupid spears all the time and so i i think the levels themselves sometimes are some of the more interesting parts of it to figure out and because it's procedurally generated they're not always set up the same way every single time you get to a room and so you have to you have to make sense of what the surroundings are before you even attack the the guys sometimes and you have to think on your feet because you can't see the whole map uh once you get into it and and so i think that ended up becoming one of the more interesting aspects of the game to me and then figuring out how can i trigger the trap not take the damage but hurt them because traps can do a significant amount of damages to the bad guys. Yes, they can. Elysium is funny. There's stupid chariots that you fight. Yes. Literal chariots that are trying to like run you over. And then there's the little ones that like just run into and blow up. And those ones are super annoying because it's hard to hit them because they're so small on the screen. They have a tiny hitbox. And, and, and then I found that those were so much of a pain uh, compared to the chariots. Because usually the chariots I could just hit enough to take damage or to, to kill them, you know. But those little chariots are just... You know, they're not much of a problem when you have the rail gun with chain lightning that jumps to like six enemies. So that would probably, that would be it. That would be a good one for that, yes. Yeah, the rail gun was pretty fun. I could never get that deep with the rail gun, though. Really? I tore I tore the game apart with the real gun. I struck I struggled with it because it's it, like I said it's a ranged weapon. The reloads would kill me cuz I, I there's so much else to look at on the screen. It's hard to keep track of, oh, am I down to almost less um, am I almost out of my 12 bullets? Do I need to reload now? 
Uh, and so I never got used to that. And the mortars, it seems like, never were fast enough to hit the things before they moved out of the way, especially the higher you got up and the faster enemies moved. Well, Burns, you play first-person shooters. Like, aren't you just accustomed to firing some bullets and then automatically reloading? Like, isn't it a reaction for you? Yeah, but see, like, you're playing a different type of game, so you're not in that mode. I think some of it is, like, the mindset you get into it. And maybe it's because it's the last weapon you get. And so none of the other weapons work that way. And and my mind just wasn't wrapped around that so much. The other thing that I found was super interesting with that is when I had the gun, I kept hitting the bumper buttons to try to shoot it because because that's how I shoot guns. And, and I actually I ran into that a few times where I would I would bring up the codex instead because it's like, oh, shoot. No, I got hit X, got to hit X. You know, it's just like... <laughs> Well, that's so funny. I found a nice rhythm with the gun. Like, a lot of this game is controlled chaos. Movement is all about getting a dash attack and controlling where you go. Casey, the lava was your problem. For me, it wasn't much of an issue. Like, I always had an idea of the direction that I was flowing in. And with the gun especially, like, I just dash to the far side of the board, shoot everything near me, dash, 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 and reload while I'm dashing. And then once I get to the point where I'm going to make my next stand, it's fire off cast, fire off uh, special, and then shoot my bullets and then dash somewhere else. Yeah, I just never got into that rhythm, but it might be one of those things where if, if I tried a few more times, uh, I probably will find that. So, I think that was one of the like just highlights of this game too is that the developers changing, like forcing you to adapt and change to whatever different level you were in. I mean, for me, if I would have, if it would have been the same where I could have just continued to dash around and do that, like I could have depended on my boon, it probably would have made this game super easy, you know, or maybe not easy, but less fun, less challenging by forcing me to adapt and, and figure out how to play differently on the second level. Um, I have to try new things. I have to try different boons. I have to try different combinations. And I think that's one of the things that this game just does amazingly. Yeah, it does. When we were talking about the enemies, I, I'm kind of cheating a little bit here, but I <laughs> love the Furies. Uh, Megara the Fury is the boss of the first level, and she was she was awesome. She's got this whip, and she fires off a bunch of projectiles, and she's a very hard boss. And the first ten times or so that I got to her, like she just mowed me down. It's like, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I don't know if I had the chops to beat it. But I like, got better at the game and got used to creating better loadouts. It got easier. So you get used to beating Megara. I beat her with each of the weapons. And then what this game did that I just love, they started mixing it up. And suddenly the other Furies start showing up. It's not Megara. It's also her two other sisters. And you don't know exactly which one you're getting in any run. And I just I thought that was awesome. The, the similar skill sets, they all have a whip. They all have uh, a lot of mobility but their boards were different like one could uh, she keep shrinking down the side of size of the board so it got harder and harder to get away from her attacks basically and I just I loved the furies they were some of the favorite enemies I've fought in video games yeah see I didn't I never beat Meg with the shield or the sword and so um, so I, I, I didn't get to that yet um, and I beat her a couple of times extra with the spear uh, since I played with that a little bit more because I liked it a little bit more. And so uh, I never I didn't finish that yet. Now, since you got the blood, did you level up any of your weapons? What a fascinating system. So once you get Titan blood, do you have to unlock all the weapons? I don't know exactly when it triggers. Uh, I'm not sure either. I didn't I didn't notice it until I accidentally hit the button to pick up a weapon twice. And it's like, oh, I can level up the weapons. <laughs> yeah. When you defeat Megara with 
one of the five different core weapons. You get Titan's Blood, and then you use that to upgrade your weapons. To answer your question, yes, I upgraded the ammo capacity on the railgun. Okay. So you only have five to spend, and uh, like you start with the aspect of Zagreus on each one of the weapons, which is like its basic functionality, and then you can upgrade it. If you do the... I forget what the different upgrades are. One gives you more critical damage. I think if you upgrade the sword, it gives you more critical damage mm-hmm. on the aspect of Zagreus. But then there's other aspects which you can unlock in different things. So there's a lot of customization there, except the problem is you get five Titans blood for defeating Megara five times with each of the different weapons. I don't know if there's more coming. So, like, I spent one, but yeah. I was not spending another one until I saw that there was another, like, source of it. Because I, I didn't have a... F- favorite favorite out of the weapons like i love the fist yeah. and they were technically my favorite but i didn't know if like powering up the bow would suddenly make that my favorite weapon so i was just the resources were too scarce for me to mm-hmm. enjoy that part of the upgrading so i just sat on them so far i've only spent the one titan's blood so far yeah and i didn't spend one yet i'll probably upgrade the spear next but uh it was the same type of thing it was like oh i don't know which one to start with and i feel like i need to like finish beating meg with the other two weapons before I start thinking about how I'm going to handle that, so, so yeah, that's what that's where I'm at with it. Uh, but it seems interesting, and it's 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 because each of the each of the aspects of the weapons is is centered around one of the gods too. Uh, so like Zeus is one of them, Ares is one of them, uh, and, it, and it's themed similar to like the boons that you get from them, which I think is pretty cool. And I wonder if there's a commonality then if you're fighting with that, um, and then you take boons from that god if you get bonuses to what types of damage it does or if that's how you can get to legendary i don't know i don't know i'm just i'm talking on my ass right now so i'll stop and there's a lot of stuff under the surface here like any good roguelike as our good friend jim likes to point out to us and especially like to point out after our under the gungeon episode yes but i feel like this is something that you can actually like learn and dive into and it's not just like hidden stuff like just stumbling across a water weapon that shoots into the fireplace no a thousand percent the things are a little less obtuse, or a lot less obtuse in this game. Coming back to bosses, each of the five levels ends with a boss fight. At the end of the first level are the Furies, the second boss is a Bone Hydra, the third boss is a Champion and a Minotaur, and that's as far as I got, so I honestly don't know what's up ahead of that. What did you guys think of the boss battles? The only boss that I beat was Megara. Um, at first, I mean... Like you, Tom, and like she just kind of whooped my butt until she's I hard. She's got yeah. a lot of health and she's got a lot of tools in her toolbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like for me too, it was completely dependent on whichever boons that I got. If I didn't have anything that added damage, there's no way that I was going to beat her. So, um, the shield actually comes in really handy during part of her fight where mm-hmm. she's shooting those projectiles out because you can just stand in one spot. You don't even have to move yeah. and you can just keep firing that shield forward, forward, <clears throat> forward, forward because it breaks those projectiles that are coming at you. Oh, and one quick thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the boons, having deflect, like having deflect yeah. on your different attacks is absolutely crucial yeah. because like Megara will fill the screen up with projectiles and there's witches in rooms that will fill the screen with projectiles. So, Having deflect is crucial, and if you have the bow, you can get deflect on your special, which does a mm-hmm. fan attack, and that is just awesome. Yeah, and I think it's Athena is the one that gives a lot of the deflect boons, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she has a lot of defensive stuff. You can also get, like, bronze skin from her and uh, other tools. But you were talking about Meg, Casey. Oh, yeah. It's, and so she was the only one that, that I faced. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get too far into the second one. I I wanted to do a few more runs and ended up. Did you up, ever see the Bone Hydra? I did not. No. Oh man, um, I hope you keep playing to get to him. Well, I I definitely plan on it. This game is way too good to stop playing. 
I have a lot of thoughts on the Bone Hydro, but first, Joey, I'll turn to you. What were your thoughts on the boss fights that you... Yeah, I really enjoy the boss fights because you have to come up with the different strategies against them, and and usually it's it's one of those things where once you face the boss the first time, it's kind of like Bloodborne, right? Where you're just like, okay, well, let's just see what I can do. I'm probably going to die, but I'll figure stuff out, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Bloodborne a lot less often. Uh, but the Bone Hydra, actually, I thought was the easiest. I don't think I've actually lost to the Bone Hydra. I did my first time. I love the Bone Hydra. Continue yes. with your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because you're fighting just the one head, but you know it's a Hydra, so you know what's going to happen. And then different heads show up. So eventually you're attacking it, and then you realize, oh, I'm not doing any damage anymore. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, <laughs> it's got like four-headed friends, and I, I will kill these, and then now I got to do more damage to it. And I just thought it was super, it was super interesting, but it was different than Meg's fight. So Meg's fight's all about getting in close, but then getting away, right? Uh, and then I ended up fighting the Minotaur with my last run, and that's different too because he's going to charge at you. And sometimes he's just running at you for days, and you got to try to break that chain. And I haven't beaten him yet, so I don't know how to beat him. Just the Minotaur or the Minotaur and the champion? Just the Minotaur. Oh, that's not even the boss, bro. I know. It was just the mini-boss version. Yeah. Uh, he... Uh... He cost me my last run because he got one of my death defies. He got my last death defy yeah. before I beat him. And then I got to the champions and that was my real gun with the chain lightning attack. Uh, I got them both down to like 10% or less health. And, mm-hmm. uh, so close. Lost the war of attrition. But yet so far. I love the Bone Hydra. You mentioned how the diff- there's different phases with different heads and there's just a lot of projectiles and a lot of smaller minions and it's chaotic but it feels fair. It's like there's patterns. You can learn how it's coming. It isn't like Enter the Gungeon where it's just a billion bullets mm-hmm. coming at you from every direction. Mm-hmm. It isn't like uh, uh, Returnal where there's projectiles coming from every direction and it's kind of random. Like there's there's a pattern to the madness and like you you get the tools to beat it, especially if you have like deflect and good dash powers. Good stuff. I thought the boss design was just phenomenal in this yeah. game. Yeah, no, and I'm 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 really excited to see what else there is because I'm sure there's other crazy stuff coming down the pipeline too. Did you see any of the evolutions of the Bone Hydra? No. So as you beat the Furies more, you get the other Furies, and they're a little bit different. The Bone Hydro will actually change as you fight it. I saw, I can't remember if it was my first or second evolution last night, but like he was spinning magma on top of everything else. So oh, interesting. The playable space gets smaller because mm-hmm. lava on the floor, your favorite case. Lava's bad. Lava's lava bad. is bad. <laughs> In between runs, you spend different permanent currencies to upgrade Zagreus and the facilities of the underworld. How did you guys prioritize your progression? Joey, we'll start with you on this one. When I was collecting... So the way it works is that when you get to the end of a room, you see what option, what what you get from the next room, right? Sometimes you don't have a choice. It's just like, oh, okay, this next room you're going to get gemstones. Sometimes you can choose between two or in some of the worlds, three different options. And so you see whether it's going to be the keys... Uh, which help unlock things, or if it's going to be more more obols to spend with Charon, uh, who's the shopkeep, uh, or if it's going to be the boons, the different boons from the different gods. And that that's one way that you can pick, okay, I, I could really use something from Ares now to try to do more damage, right? Uh, so I would always prioritize collecting the keys first, because those unlock the weapons, and those unlocked getting new skills uh, from the mirror. And so I thought that the keys were always, if it was a key was available, I'm going for the keys. You played this game correctly then. Proceed. Okay. Uh, then after that, 
After that, then it was boons. So it was, if there was a boon that I knew I really wanted, I would go for that. Then it was darkness, and then gemstones would be the last thing I prioritized. Uh, but especially, once I unlocked the faded list from the renovations, dude... Uh, that was a way that I actually earned a lot of gemstones. So I didn't need to prioritize it unless I was forced to go get gemstones um, because that was the only room I could go into in one of the worlds. And so that's the way that I utilized that. And then I also utilized the broker sometimes where if I needed just one more key to unlock something, I would go to the broker, trade in some gemstones or trade in uh, one of my other resources that I had some of to get an extra key so that I could finish unlocking the item that I've been building up to unlocking uh, or vice versa. You know, you could turn in a key sometimes for 20 gemstones and it's like, Oh, if that's what I needed to unlock Orpheus, basically, then I could spend that to get Orpheus. And then I've got another person that I'm interacting with in, in uh, what, what is it even called? Hades hall or whatever. The house of Hades. House of Hades. There you go. Casey, how did you prioritize? Uh, pretty much the same as, is Joey. Uh, so if there were keys, that's what I was going for. Um, so far, I haven't used any of those keys to upgrade the mirror. I've been just using them to unlock weapons. Um, and then like on the mirror itself, um, I've focused first on, on anything that would give you additional health or allow you to heal as, as you progress through. Um, so far, I haven't traded in anything from the broker. Um, and then I rarely, I mean, Last would probably be the gems for upgrading the the hall. Um, the first one they give you is is free, which adds an additional chamber adds, that that lets you heal a little bit during your run. I think with that one too. But, yep, it adds a fountain chamber, which is a room with no enemies, but it gives you some health back in the middle of your run through Tartarus. Yeah, and that's as we've kind of discussed, health is is super important in this game and is very hard to gain back. So anything that could give you a little additional health definitely uh, helps you out. Um, and then lastly, um. One that allows you to, uh, still in the, uh, what the heck's the guy called? I just said it. Uh, the the guy that is, I could oh, help oh, you, but oh, I yes, the guy that allows you to the, when you purchase with the gemstones, the the, the uh, renovator or something like contractor. that. Contractor, contractor. Yeah. yeah. So the last thing I did was that where you get to switch keepsakes between worlds, so you get different those different keepsakes, which give you different abilities too, and um, you're not able to actually switch them, and then you're able to yeah. purchase abilities with your gemstones to, in between to, levels yeah, yeah. To, to change it if, if you so so need to but i think that's just not as important as, as some of the other stuff that you have to do i agree it's interesting we're all so down on the house contractor because there's a lot of cosmetic things that you can spend your gemstones on and change up the look of the house of hades and fix some damage that cerebus did and it's just that doesn't feel like a part of permanent progression to me. Yeah, but that's probably a lot more end game kind of stuff as you go through a lot, I would so, think, right? Some of it is, but the the more that you spend there, the more other areas you unlock. So so you get the Tartarus like well chamber to heal at for free, but you can buy the one for Asphodel and Elysium there. You can unlock uh, Orpheus, which I just did, so I don't know what you get from interacting with Orpheus moving forward. So far, just a lot of talking. Okay, well, it's more lore, so that's always a good thing. Um, you get the, like you said, having that in there, that was supremely helpful for me if I had like a terrible run on the first level. I could get rid of my Lucky Charm Keepsake. I always had the Lucky Charm Keepsake because it's a second death defy, basically, that regenerates you to full health. Who did you get that from? I don't think I have Skelly. That. Oh. You give a gift to Skelly and then you get a Lucky Charm from him. Oh, and no that way. allows you a second death defy that puts you back to 100% health. 
Wow. Yeah. So yeah. that I used a lot. And then once I would use it, I would, if I go exit that world, I could turn in that keepsake and I'd get the collar that you get from petting Cerberus that gave you an extra, I think it's 50 health. So you just add like 50 health on top of your score, kind of like a centaur heart would, or maybe it's 25, but you just get a boost of health right there at that point too, which I, which was super helpful also. And, and so like unlocking that I think was really good. The more of those things that you unlock, the more, uh, options that you get to unlock more things. Some of them are just like you know, different tapestries or fixing damage. Um, but there are certain ones. And I say the faded list is integral to unlock. That's true. I like the ones that had more of a gameplay aspect. The faded list was crucial. And I like the uh, scrying pool because I like seeing how many runs and how many enemies mm-hmm. I defeated. Oh, I did unlock that one too. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't use it all that often. Because <laughs> the, the faded list, some of the things that you unlock earlier with that that are easier to unlock in there give you more gemstones and it just allows you to build more things without having to prioritize it uh, out in the world yeah so we're all in agreement that it's the least important thing to upgrade I focused on keys and darkness <laughs> because those are the tools for long term progression and mm-hmm. having played before I immediately went to the mirror so like I got the mirror to the second tier and uh, <laughs> uh, getting the extra cast was yep. well Death Defiance is the most important thing in the game. Yes. You need to pile up that Death Defiance as quickly as you can get it. Then I did the Infernal Soul, which gives you extra casts. Then I did Chthonic Vitality, which heals you as you leave each chamber. And then Thick Skin, which uh, decreases damage from the enemies. And then, you know, I, I was just in the habit of getting keys in darkness, so I maxed out everything else that I had access to. Interesting. If I was When I'm ready to make a more serious run, like I was so worried about that long-term progression. Like... If you want to progress well in this game, you need to focus on those boons. Like, you need mm-hmm. to get as many boons as possible to give yourself as much of an arsenal as possible. But I just, I wanted those keys. I wanted those keys, and I wanted that darkness. So I'd always um, prioritize those. And uh, it usually does a good enough job of giving, not giving you the key option at times and only giving you the option to go get boons sometimes. So, like, a lot of, and you start each run with a boon. It's random which one you get. Um, or it'll be the data list enhancement. Um, but you'll get one of those at the start of every run. So you get something at least to go through. But sometimes if you don't prioritize that, it makes the boss a lot harder. Yeah. And one note I wanted to make, if you're just starting playing this game, don't sleep on the deep pockets upgrade on the mirror. The extra money that you get from that is clutch because it'll allow you to buy more boons at the shopkeeper, which gives you a little bit more control. Like you can, I think I start each run with 70 gold because of deep pockets. So it's a... Uh, I mean, generally, I never go for Charon's Obol within runs because you get some money from defeating any enemies, and that extra money is just clutch. Yeah, and I found using the well a lot of the times meant that I could just skip going to his actual room until you get right before the boss. I did that for a long time, too, but I recently went away from it, and now I only buy, like, the permanent resource upgrades from it because I prefer to... Most of the things in Charon's Well are, like, 25 to 45 gold. If I buy three of them, suddenly I can't buy a boon right before the boss. What keepsake did you guys use mostly? Uh, The one that I used was the one that gives you... Or the one that I, I don't know if everybody gets the same ones, I guess, but the one that I had gave you a 100 additional gold to start your run. Interesting. I I cycled through them. I maxed out, I think, five of them, and I just kind of picked them at random. It's like, oh, well, great. This one's going to give me a Zeus spoon. Well, <laughs> max this out and move on to the next one. I did. The one that I prioritized was the one from Cerebus for the extra life. Uh, but other than that, I was just cycling through them, trying to max them and moving on to the next one. Yeah, oh. once I unlocked the Lucky Charm from Skelly, I 
always have that on because having an extra death defy where you regen to 100% health is awesome. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. If I was going to push for deep run, I would probably start with health for the first couple and then switch to the skelly one for Elysium. Yeah. Good stuff. The production value of this game is absolutely incredible. I think that the art, music, and sound direction are all top-notch. What were some of the highlights of the overall package for you, other than like the game being super-duper fun? <laughs> I mean, for me, I can obviously see why this game won so many awards. The gameplay itself was super fun, and you combine that with great narrative, excellent production value, and you have recipe for game of the year. It was just a joy to play the whole thing whole thing and i can't wait to get back to it you know you said game of the year and this did win game of the year awards you know what other games have won game of the year like uh god of war like is this game in our hearts of hearts honestly on that top tier of video games like is this the highest echelon of video games or was it just a down year for games last year not to take anything away from hades it's awesome it's amazing it's fun but is it on the same tier as like those blockbuster platform designing or defining titles i mean i don't think i can say that yet because i haven't made it as far as i have in like spider-man and god of war no that's my stand is that i can't i seriously can't say that yet but it definitely has the makings to because it it has enough narrative and i think that the story is gonna twist and turn in a few different ways that's gonna make it complex and interesting that i think it can like the thing that bothers me the most about just like big games in general, right? Is that everybody thinks that you have to have the flashiest graphics. It has to be this big, huge 3D, 4K, ray tracing action game with a great story. That's all that you can have to make game of the year or make a great game. And like the thing that just bothers me so much sometimes is maybe if you made a smaller game that was more polished, that had more replayability, but it didn't take as long to maybe see through all the way. Like maybe that fits with a lot more people than having to be this huge open world experience where you do all these different things. Hey, it's going to have a zillion bugs because it's a huge open world game. That's okay. Right. (laughs) You know, and it's just, I think there's so many, so many different types of games can be good for so many different reasons. Uh, It doesn't always have to fit a mold. And I think Hades set out to do something specific and it does it really well. And I think, like, talking about the production values of the game, everything within it works so well together. Like, the voice acting is fantastic. The music does a great job of being ambient and then ramping up when you get into a battle and then coming back down, and each world sounds, like, a little bit different. The graphics all look great. It has a really cool, like, cartoony style to it. Uh, And it just, everything works together. And... The story isn't like this huge gripping narrative, but it's interesting enough to like pull you in and want you to see what's going on here. And it, you start to think that the that everything's happening in one way, and that these gods all want to help you. And you start to get these little nuggets that they're probably manipulating you the way your father's manipulated you your whole life. And so, what actually? Who's actually trying to help you? Who are the good guys? Who are you? Like, what's going to happen when you get to the end? And then that's that's like the stuff that has me really intrigued about this game. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge 3D blockbuster in order to pull those types of thing off. I mean, Diablo 2 wasn't a huge, big blockbuster like that. I mean, it was made by a big studio, but like, it just seems like 
everybody continues to say that games need to be bigger and bigger and bigger in order to be better, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Well, it doesn't always. Sorry, it doesn't always equate either. I mean, just because you make a game like that doesn't mean it's going to be good. It right. Is, like this game, like you said, it does everything really, really well and puts it in a tight package that's just super fun and enjoyable to play. And that just speaks volumes to this, mm-hmm. you know, the whole experience. A big game. Torchlight Three is a big game, and I would say that <laughs> Hades is approximately a thousand times better <laughs> yeah, than for Torchlight sure. Three. Yeah, we've played some. You know, kind of stinker games, or not, maybe not these stinkers, but like they were so good in different aspects and different ways, but they were just lacking certain things. Mm-hmm. Like if it was the narrative, or if it was the sound, or whatever, you know. But they were they were all lacking something, and this game has, for me, everything that you would need in a game to make to make it great. Burns, what do you think of this take? The moment-to-moment gameplay on a run of Hades is more fun than fighting enemies in God of War. I believe that to be true. Like, the moment-to-moment action in this game, I think, is just so polished and so fun. I think it is better than God of War, and I loved God of War. Um, Yeah, I would probably say that. Uh, There's some fights that are really fun in God of War, and once you get a lot of different tools, you have something similar to this where you're switching between weapons, uh, especially later in the game, to be more effective against people. Uh, and, and, and so it, it gives you some of those elements. Uh, I would at least say it's on par, if not better. Yeah, this is a good game. Uh, how far did we get in it? And what did you feel is your biggest accomplishments? Burns, we'll start with you. Yeah. So I have made 17 runs so far. So not a ton killed 2,539 enemies. Um, I've beaten Meg with all, but two of the weapons killed the bone Hydra both times I faced it. And the last one I died to the Minotaur sub-boss, which was my deepest run into Elysium. And I think that was probably like six or seven rooms into Elysium. So I was guessing I was probably getting near the end of it too, um, just judging by how they tend to work. My biggest achievement was the second time that I beat Meg. um, So the first time I beat her, I beat her with the fists. And then the second time I went with my my spear because I knew that that was the weapon I did the best with. Um, So I beat Meg. Then I made it all the way through the Asphodel. I beat the Bone Hydra the first time I faced it. And then I made it like four or five rooms into Elysium before I died. And it was just like, I was just like going, I was in a zone. I had like the right boons in the right places and everything was working well together. Um, And so I think that was my greatest achievement so far. Uh, I didn't get a chance to check my reflection pool before I, I, typed up the show notes here but did you um, not get a chance or were you feeling inadequate no well and the other <laughs> thing too like i said i plan on playing a bunch yesterday too and i just never got around to it because my my boys needed some some family time so i never unfortunately got to got to play some more and and i plan to but I, i'm pretty sure i was around 15 runs uh four of those runs though i played on my phone so i don't know if i could actually count them oh, so, yeah. how was so, that experience you're using the uh what is xbox call it where you can play on an android phone x cloud yeah something like yep. that yes it is x yep x cloud um it's actually pretty awesome the it's really really hard though we kind of talked about it earlier how hard it is to play this game on a smaller screen yeah. uh and then using the actual controls on your screen which you take a screen like the switch where you can actually still see everything but then you overlay buttons and um everything on top of it and it makes it even more challenging and then moving itself with the direction pad on your screen was kind of wonky so mm-hmm. um trying to dash around and direct yourself in the right right way to avoid projectiles and enemies um 
was a lot more of a challenge. I will say, like, other games that I've played um, translate a little bit better. Um, I'm trying to think. I played... Um, not Monster Train. What did I, uh, Slay the Spire I've played on here. Slay the Spire actually works really well on mm-hmm. a screen. Uh, this game where there's just a lot more action, a lot more dashing, a lot more you know stuff coming at you, it's a lot more challenging to play, um, which is why, like I said, I think I tried four runs on my screen and was like, I, just, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, the cool thing was, though, that like you're using your Xbox Game mm-hmm. Pass username. So when I... My first four runs were were all on my phone, and then I went down onto the console, and when I loaded that up, everything was there. So, mm-hmm. like any keys that I had, you know, gathered any other things, um, were already there. So I was able to, to, you know, like get some weapons and things like right away through some of my other better runs. Cross save is the best. Mm-hmm. Like saves transferring from PC to console to phone. I use an iPhone, so I can't use the uh, X Cloud ability, but. I love cross-save compatibility. That's like one of my favorite things in video games. Yeah, super cool. Were you able to port your original playthrough? No, because I had a library copy. With the original copy that I played on Switch, you could port to Steam. So I don't know if they uh, added the functionality (laughs) to port it to the other consoles now. No. So you'd have to probably port it to Steam, and then use Steam to port it to somewhere else or Epic Game Store. Get it from the library, then buy it, and then port it to play it on Game Pass, the subscription yep. service. No, I just started over. And I, yeah. I mean, it's fine. With this game especially, it's it's kind of fine. Yeah, and I had, I mean, I enjoyed it on the Switch, but it was just, I enjoyed it a lot more playing it on console. I did try playing Enter the Gungeon when we were playing through that on xCloud on my phone, and that was unplayable. Oh man, I bet that was Stupid hard. And the biggest thing was that um, whichever button, it was one of the shoulder buttons that you used to do the dodge roll, like it never worked on the phone. And that is integral in that game. So I was just like, yeah, this game's not, this game's unplayable because I can, I I could never get that to actually work when I hit the button for it to do it. And so, yeah. Uh, And I haven't tried anything else since, but I can understand how some of the games would be much better than that. Yeah. And then you could also pair a controller to it. Yes. Uh, so you could you could Bluetooth pair your controller to your phone and then do that. But then at that point, why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do <laughs> yeah. that? Like, what, yeah. if you're gonna play with your, if you're bringing your controller well, with you to play on your phone, there's something wrong with you. Just buy a Switch. Well, if you're if you're on a, you like could, if you're on an airplane or something like that, right? Although here here's the thing though, and I think what Xbox is trying to do with this is like if you had like a top of the line Samsung phone with a really good processor, you actually wouldn't technically even need to buy an Xbox. I mean, yes, the Series X or something like that, you're gonna be way better. But as far as like an Xbox One or something like that, you can stream phones, you could cast it directly to your TV. You could just buy an Xbox controller, sync it to your phone, mm-hmm. and you could cast it to your TV. Yeah. You're not gonna have the best frames per second. You're not gonna have all that sort of stuff. But for a casual gamer, you'd save yourself money in the long run because you don't need to actually buy the console yeah. itself. Well, how much are you paying for that phone though? Like my iPhone was like eight hundred bucks. Yeah, but how many so there's so many people that already have that regardless. How many people have the iPhone and still have the console? You. How many people still have their Samsung Galaxy S 1000s, you know, whatever the hell they're at now, and still have consoles? So, like, if there's people out there that maybe can't say, say like, why, you know, right now I don't really care that I don't want to spend 500 or can't find the PlayStation, which there's still so many people out there that can't find it or can't find the Series X. Well, isn't that why you the could, Series S exists? Isn't that exactly why it exists? But that's still 300 bucks that maybe mm-hmm. some people yep. don't have. And you can still take advantage of Game Pass. You can still cast it to your TV. 
get a $50 controller and still enjoy a ton of games if your internet connection is good enough to play them. That's a lot of ifs. I think I, that's the end game, though, for Xbox. That's what they're trying to get to. Yeah. I wish that I could just get rid of my cell phone and just have my consoles and like not be reachable by anyone but Phoenix. That would be awesome. Oh, I was going to say, I thought Tom is going to be grabbing his Series X and like use that somehow. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> exhaust just going out the top of it. And since we are uh, comparing sizes, I did 29 runs and killed 4,750 enemies. Nice. I also thought it was fun that there was an achievement for petting Cerebus. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's the problem with the Switch version also is you don't have achievements. But I'm debating about buying it on PlayStation so I can get my precious trophies. You do like your trophies. I do like my trophies. We've talked about this game for over an hour already. Overall thoughts and takeaways. So I've realized that I prefer roguelikes that give you meaningful choices to make throughout and an interesting story that you continue to unravel, unravel with each run. Um, if Hades isn't a true roguelike, then I don't want to play roguelikes and just want more games like Hades. So <laughs> if that's a smite to you, Jim, you can take that. The synergies that all come together, I think are phenomenal, and the entire package is fun to play and well put together. I'd recommend everyone to give this game a shot at some point. It is so good. Um, I haven't beaten it yet, but I would still easily say it's it's my favorite roguelike. I know some people look down on it. They say it's maybe too easy or it's not a true roguelike. Or... Too easy? This game kicks my ass every time. Yeah. yeah. And some people some people say that, and maybe those guys are really good gamers or gals are really good gamers, but oh, I, it's, I, I if, think it's phenomenal. If it's Jim that's saying it, Jim has markedly better Twitch reflexes than me, or at least he did when we played games regularly in college. I mean, I'm not just saying I'm not focusing on one person. I'm focusing on what I've heard about the game as a whole, or what some of the some of the detriments have been about the game. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's how I look at it. I, I think it's phenomenal. I I would really recommend anybody to play it uh, and just give it a shot if it's on sale, especially. I mean, it's only twenty five dollars. That's the other thing you're getting. All this gameplay for twenty five dollars. You're getting a game of the year quality yeah. game. Yeah, and, and money's not everything, but you know, $25 compared to $60, $70 now, like you're still getting a phenomenal experience that you're going to have like tens to probably hundreds of hours of gameplay if you really like the game and really want to do different runs and try different things. So uh, I, I don't, I'd highly recommend it to anybody, really. And Casey, while you summarize your thoughts, Joey, would you be so kind as to pull up the winner for our oh, yeah. poll? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, I you know I obviously of us three played the least amount of games of everybody, but this is easily the best game that I've played of 2021. Um, it was just a joy all the way through, and I can't wait to get back to it. Um, I know some of the games in the past I've said that I want to get back to, and and I haven't because they weren't as fun. And this is one that I will make an effort to go back and play because it's that enjoyable and that fun. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't need to belabor it anymore. Like I said, the moment-to-moment gameplay is more fun than the moment-to-moment action in God of War, and that is high praise because I love God of War. Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't say it's better than the moment-to-moment action of Spider-Man because that's Spider-Man, but this game is great. Definitely a Game of the Year contender from last year. It came out last year, right? It came yeah. out a year ago year yesterday. Ago. One year ago yesterday, and people will be hearing this maybe tomorrow. Yeah, good game. Play it if you have access to it. Patrick, you should definitely check it out. Yes, yes. Next, month, It's not on Wii, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> but it, it is on Steam. 
Next month for Game Pass Forever, what will we be playing? What won our poll on patreon.com slash OIO? Nothing won our poll. Oh, do we have a tie? We have a three-way tie. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, Burns, you probably (laughs) voted for all of them, so that doesn't help. No, actually, I only voted for one this time. No. Yep, I only voted for one this time. And I'm not going to go that way now and and break it with another vote. So, Well, we had a multiple-way tie last month when we chose Darkest Dungeon. I felt like I pushed Darkest Dungeon through that one, so I'm going to leave it to you two to work out which game we're going to be playing next month. Burnsy, what were the contenders? Yeah, so Need for Speed Playback only had one vote from right. the randomizer, so we'll that's We'll cross out. that one out. Yeah, so it's between uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll, Outriders, and A Plague Tale, which each had two votes. Well, thank you, everyone in the Ohio community, for jumping on this poll to help us choose. <laughs> I mean, seven's not bad. Yeah, and seven's not bad. Yeah. Sometimes people vote for multiples. Did you guys vote for one or the other? Did you each vote for your own game? And I voted for my own game, yeah. I, I've forgotten. haven't voted. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we give you the choice, then? Well, Casey, you have fair. the power. No, you... Joey, explain what Katamari is. So Katamari Damacy is a game where you roll... You're going to love this. You're going to love this, Casey. This is the most like obtuse concept for a game ever. Originally came out on the PlayStation 2 in like 2000-something. And uh, basically, you roll around a ball to collect different objects and pick up different objects. You start out really small, and you're this prince, and this king needs you to collect these objects so that... The king went on a drunken bender and destroyed all the stars in the universe. So you need to collect objects in order to make the stars again so that you can fix the king's screw-ups. And so you start off really small in this little Japanese household and you're rolling around this ball and you're picking things up. And the ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger so you can pick up bigger things. And basically you're building it up and building it up until you collect enough stuff to like roll up the entire world. Over, over like multiple levels. And then there's lots of other wonky stuff with that. Uh, but the whole thing is you're rolling a ball around. You get different abilities to go faster or to do different things. And uh, that's how the game works. All right. And okay. then Outriders is a co-op uh, action game. Is it first person or third person shooter? I actually have no idea. I just knew that it was co-op and it was a looter shooter. Yeah, it's a looter shooter. So you're basically uh, working together as a group to uh, kill different things. I think there's I think there's four different classes. You choose one of the classes and you go through it. Uh, very similar to uh, a lot of those other co-op shooters that are like that. Um, and then A Plague Tale is a more narrative-driven game. Yep, action-adventure um, kind of, yeah. Yep. So three very different games. Yeah. And you have all the power Dude. in the world right now. You've got the power! Tom Jones hate these last one. I don't want to give him two, weeks, two months in a row, but we have not played a co-op for a long time, and I'm kind of itching to play some co-ops. Let's do some outriders. The one question, how busy is everybody this next month? Can we actually play co-op together? That, that, <laughs> is, that, that is true. It will suck if we choose a co-op game and we're not actually able to get together, but... I'm fairly confident that we'll be able to get together at least one night and, and play this, right? All right. So I'll make it official and give the final vote to Outriders on the thing so it shows that that won the poll on on Patreon. Outriders is a third-person shooter from Square Enix. That's as far as I got for a description. It works. Boom. It came out in April. It's uh, A lot of people thought it was really good. It performed like far better than Square Enix thought it was going to perform, uh, which is good. We actually had it on tap to play for our New Game Plus segment before we sunsetted that after a couple episodes. Yeah, because we were way too overworked at that point. Yeah, I think this is at least three games in a row that I nominated that as one. So uh, I have great taste in games. You guys are welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I've been wanting to play the game since it came out, so I am more than happy to play it this month. I mean, technically last month, my game tied... 
Hades, and we just decided that I wanted to play Hades more because I've been looking forward to play that. So, what game we did kind you of, put up last time? I think it was Battle Toads, wasn't it? I thought that was against Darkest Dungeon. Was it? Yeah, because we uh, we had the tie, and you reneged on Battle Toads to do Darkest Dungeon. I think Hades just swept it. last I think time. yeah, Hades. Oh, okay. I think went far and away with it last yeah, time. Yeah, because it had just released on Game Pass. Uh, Boyfriend Dungeon did okay, but uh, <laughs> right? Is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy it, thank you so much for listening to this standalone segment of Outside is Overrated. This is the Game Pass Forever segment where we play a new game from Game Pass every single month. If you enjoy this content, please back our show on Patreon. This segment is tied to a specific tier. You can back us for as little as $2 a month, but at $10 you get an extra podcast from Tom and Joey and sometimes Casey. You can check it out at patreon.com slash OIO. For Joey, for Casey, I'm Tom Sidlachik. Thanks for listening. Stay inside.